0: Yes, Vivek, so, you know, I just, yes, so wish once again a very happy new year, full of her presence and light and delight. Um, but before we start, I heard you say something about the mother's signature and her presence. So, you know, uh, the mother's signature, what significance she has given to that signature. Uh, she has said it is the supramental bird. And then she adds further, it stays where it comes. So, you know, um, it's, uh, I think, very intuitively you were saying that, you know, th- the fact that uh, it's a signed copy and it's a signature, so she's present. So, this is the significance she actually gave to a signature that it's, uh, if you look at it carefully, it's like a bird. And the mother said, it's a supramental bird, it stays where it rests. So wherever she has put her signature, she has put something of her presence and poured it through that, uh, you know, little piece of uh, pen and paper and ink. And it's something which stays even when the signature fades away. And there are wonderful stories about it. But uh, coming to the subject, which uh, I, I think new year and new me, is that the subject? Okay. So, you know, there are several ways of uh, looking at it and generally, you know, when we speak of New Year, we think about New Year resolutions. But what really is the significance? Now, in a certain sense, every moment, there is a, you know, we are recreated every moment of a life. And the mother at one point says that when you can become aware that the world is changing each moment, then you can become aware of the presence of the divine. So this sense of the change and this sense of the eternal, they are together at every moment of a life in the sense that the eternal is expressing himself through time and space. Now, to put it more simply, we have so many uh, cycles even within the body. If you just look at our own bodies, you know, there is a constant change and this change takes place in a cyclical manner. You know, it's like a wonder musician who is playing a harp So, in the body, there are some cycles which are less than a second. For instance, our heartbeats. You know, um, every heartbeat is on an average less than a second. And uh, in a a human body, the longest cycle is, of course, the cycle of life and death. And many other cycles which intervene, uh, such as the cycle of wake and sleep, the cycle of juices secretion, etc., etc. So, everything is like a cyclical event, now, this cycle, uh, cyclical process is not just confined to a human body. It is there with our thoughts, our feelings, our deeper states. The Vedic Rishi spoke of the night and the day. That means there are moments when we are luminous, bright, full of aspiration, cheer. And there are other moments when we feel as if everything is, uh, not, or rather nothing is really going in the right way. So these are the cycles of the night and day. At a larger scale, there are cosmic cycles from the um, atomic drifts to the drift of the galaxies. So uh, one of the secrets of life or the beauty of life is how to attune ourselves individually to these cosmic rhythms. And this is one way that our life can become beautiful. And very strangely, the Ishupanishads gives us one of the ways. And it's something very amazing. You know, there are so many ways we can look at each saying of the Upanishad, but the very first sloka gives us a secret of life, you know, and if we take this sloka in conjunction with two other slokas that follow, it gives us the secret of a long and healthy life consecrated to the service of the divine. So it starts with, um, you know, this, this sense that whatever is moving within this world is basically uh, whether individual or the universal motion, is meant for the joy of the Lord within. So the Lord dwells within each individual and the larger motion, the smaller and the larger motion, and it's meant for his enjoyment. So if we learn to renounce ten bhunjita, then life will be full of delight or the rasa or the sap. Now this learning to let go, it's not just, a question of renouncing objects because whenever we think about renunciation we think of objects and trying to reduce things but the biggest renunciation is renunciation of who or what we are at this point of time so that something new can manifest one of these secrets of uh, living is uh, you know when we can our individual cycles can attune itself to the larger cycles in the cosmos and the animals know it very well. That's why we see at the animal level that they spontaneously, instinctively know how to attune themselves to the larger rhythms. You know, very recently in India, we had a um, amazing incident on Kanpur railway station where a little monkey suddenly started jumping and crying and, you know, screeching and screaming, trying to draw attention of all the passengers. But uh, humans as we are, shut in our very egocentric thoughts and feelings nobody really cared to see why the monkey is screaming and screeching and then uh, people noticed that this monkey finding no response jumped onto the rail tracks where one of his fellow monkeys was caught up uh, you know in between the rails it had an electric shock and therefore it had fallen down and then this monkey went and started the reviving process and it was amazing. I've seen it as a doctor and the other doctors also saw it. And they wondered that how did the monkey had the exact knowledge of what is to be done to bring him back to life. In, in fact, that that other monkey was brought back to life literally by this other monkey. You know, it was there on the uh, right in front of everybody's eyes and this this was shown on the news. So the animals are quite attuned to um, the cosmic rhythms And if they fall sick, they know how to sleep off and get over their illness, etc, etc. But then what happens with man, with the coming of man? Two things happen. One, of course, the habitual animal pattern does continue. But apart from that, in man, something from the past opens up its doors. As Sri says that, you know, In man is somewhat dim, disturbing lives. So there is something in us which gets off track, off rails. It cuts itself off from the cosmic rhythm. And we know what that something is. It is the ego sense. The sense of acute separation from everything else that is around us. I mean, we live in such a state of isolation that even within the family, we are not really in sync. And uh, leave aside, you know, the larger um, other, other forms of creation and of course the larger rhythms of nature and the stars and the cosmic rhythms of time. So we have lost that sink because of the, uh, you know, an acute sense of ego and separation, which comes because of the mind. But at the same time, something else begins to happen. Now this disturbance of rhythmic pattern of life opens the possibility in man of something new. Because man is no more in harmony either within himself or with you know, the cosmos at large, there is the possibility of new things emerging because you know the rhythms are lost, he is forever seeking, forever dissatisfied, forever wanting a change in one way or the other and while he stumbles and gropes for this change, there is a possibility of something new and unexpected slipping past his life. Now, this happens, this happens, uh, you know, in various ways um, in our own life and we all know it. But there is a point when there is a very uh, critical departure from what we are to what we can become. And in the spiritual parlance, in traditions, it is called as a new birth. Now, we, we know the Sanskrit term for it is Dvij, the twice born, a term which has been corrupted over a period of time through misuse. But essentially it means that there comes a time when we are newborn to a new kind of um, air, to a new kind of atmosphere, to a new kind of possibility. Now, Shurabindo speaks about it at various places, but one of the places where he speaks about it is uh, when he discusses the law of karma. So he says as long as we are basically mental, vital, physical beings or identified only with our body, with the life desires and their expansion, with our likes and dislikes, with emotions and attachment, and even with our thoughts, ideas and ideologies. That means with our mind, body and life. Uh, the, the law of karma operates to increase the goods that these things can offer. And that's why at the uh, lower line of karma, we often say that, you know, the popular notion that if we do good, Uh, We will get either money or we will get some kind of a reward for our well-being, some comfort or, you know, we will be more intelligent, born in a better family, etc., etc. But then there is another possibility and Sri calls it as the higher line of karma wherein we can be reborn or newborn into a new kind of life, a new way of living, into a psychic and spiritual existence. And when we are born in that existence, then the law of karma also changes. So the law of karma no more rewards our good with physical and vital things, but it rewards our good with a growth of the soul power, with a growth of light, with a growth of beauty, with a growth of love, with a growth of sweetness, with a growth of strength and the capacity for delight in us. So a new kind of law begins to operate with this psychic birth, with this new birth in our life. And in a typical traditional way, this is done through what is called as initiation. Now we all know that in spiritual life, uh, in the traditional yoga, a lot of value has been placed on initiation. Uh, but in Shurabhindo's yoga, we don't talk about it. Now, why why is it so? Now, in a typical initiation into this um, new me or a new life or a new birth, Uh, basic idea is that we enter into a new landscape through which we can find an exit door and escape out of life we don't explore the infinite we simply touch it and enter into it only to fuse or merge or vanish but in sri arobindo's yoga we want to mate the infinite with the finite so there is not one initiation but many 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 kinds of initiations To give an example, when we start on to this journey, when for the first time we feel a call for the yoga or we suddenly feel something for the mother in our heart or simply an urge to go to Pondicherry and spend a few moments at the Samadhi, we have a certain idea, a certain approach, a certain vague kind of an aspiration within us. We have heard these things, we have read something from the writings and we feel something. And yet it is very vague. Now this is the first initiation. But this is not the end. As we grow, the path begins to open up and becomes clearer and clearer. Our relation with the divine begins to change. Our approach begins to change. The attitudes begin to change. The aspiration begins to change. As the Vedic Rishi said that every time the Rishi climbed a hill, he discovered that well, beyond the horizon, that is, there is yet another hill. And he came down and climbed yet another hill. Because every time we climb to a certain station of consciousness, we have to come down, explore our depths and illuminate, and then climb to a new high, and again come down. And every time we have to go down into the abyss to do the work, we have to climb higher and higher. So this is the process of yoga which follows itself a very cyclic nature that we climb high, then illumine the depths, climb further, and further illumine and that’s how it goes on. Now, uh, in this process in traditionally the the method used in yoga is a mantra. So there is a typical mantra given and with the practice of the mantra, one is more and more able to enter into the higher worlds, into the deeper states and uh, breathe that atmosphere become accustomed to them Uh, but in shurabindu's yoga we don't find really that there is one mantra in fact there is there are many mantras if if one may ask me because when people ask me that you know what is the mantra in shurabindu's yoga so i have to tell them that look you know there are so many mantras that it's difficult to choose so the vedic rishis use this process they didn't use one mantra They received mantras and each richa of the Vedas was a mantra which helped them to climb to a certain state. And when they climbed to that state, a new mantra appeared before them. You know, that also explains why Sri says that I used Sabitri as a means of ascension. And very often people wonder that why Sri used Sabitri as a means of ascension. Well, it is a very well-known Vedic method that through the mantra the rishi ascended to higher and higher spheres. So, In Shurubindo's yoga, there are so many mantric words that one can pick up anything, any sentence, any passage and meditate and reflect upon it. There is no need for any explanation Uh, because in the Upanishads we find that, you know, the path is like this, that a great truth is given and one has to keep on meditating and reflecting and the doors to a higher consciousness open in that dimension. Now, when we like some words of Mother and Sri and meditate upon them, we see that some aspect of the infinite begins to open in our lives and gets more and more integrated with our own finite parts. But as we proceed, the new words, new ideas, new thoughts, new lines may spring up from outside or from within. And then, once again, we have to meditate upon these lines, reflect upon these lines and try to, uh, in all earnestness and sincerity, bring them out in our life. So, as I was saying, this is a, you know, practical demonstration of what we were speaking, that every time we, you know, go to a, so, um, you know, uh, we have to, there are successive initiations, and once we have climbed one particular hill, we have to go down, and then climb another hill. So, you know, the whole thing went off at a very uh, right moment to tell us this is how the yogic journey goes, that we complete one curve, one cycle, and we have to go on to the next app, a new way, a new path. So, the same thing continues, but continues through a new method, a new process. And I think this was a very practical demonstration. The technology is very spiritually sensitive, I think. (laughs) So, uh, So what we were saying is that, you know, with Mother and Shurabindo, there is not one but many, many initiations. And there is an initiation within when the mantra springs up from inside. And as Shurabindo says, there is an initiation without. So when we read Mother and Shurabindo, something of that, some words, some sentences, some phrase touch us. And we begin to move along those lines. Now the beauty is that for each one, it's some. It's different, like some words, some lines, some phrases may touch one person more than other and equally so for others. So, uh, you know, what I was saying was that, you know, just as we witnessed uh, just now, so in yoga too, we proceed a certain distance with the help of certain words, certain processes, certain techniques, certain attitudes, certain approaches. And a time comes when, uh, you know, this helps us, but we need to go further. And then new apps, if I may use, uh, you know, modern language, new methods, new techniques, new processes, new attitudes spring up to take its place. And that's how one proceeds. Now, Mother and Sri though you know, um, now another important aspect of this is that that's why this yoga cannot be turned into a kind of religion uh, where there is a tendency that you know what has helped me must help another person no it's not like that because each one is at different stage of evolution and therefore each for each one uh, something else will work and each one has to find out for himself you know this is the labor that each one is engaged in in this yoga uh, even the most fundamental processes you know one of the most fundamental processes is aspiration and of course opening to the mother But for each one, this opening and aspiration will take its own you, its own form, its own shape. And within the person also, as one proceeds further, there will be changes. And what helped at one point may not help at another point and something else will come to take its shape. So this is the basic process of a constant renewal, a constant change, a constant evolution and a constant transformation. Now, in this process, the mother you know being the mother and as we know that she she even at the most um, uh, you know she was divinely practical so one of the things that she started and which something very interesting and beautiful uh, something which is so common and we often forget about it is that on the new year day and on darshan days on special days there would be a message now this message was like a mantric initiation it was as if calling us to a new discovery to touch upon one aspect of the infinite or to make an entry through one gate, one door. It was like, you know, as if through the message she was opening a door for us and through this door, specific door, we could make an entry, go as far as we could and then very soon, another darshan day and another message and we have another point of entry and a time comes when these multiple entries of multiple parts many parts within us into the yogic life into the spiritual life or the higher consciousness begin to fuse and then a new spiritual personality begins to form around our um, psychic being because uh, the the initial personality formed by the lower nature is a personality which is full of uh, habits it's something which is simply something which nature has created for us it's not something new It's the old animal, the old human, which is simply persisting by the momentum of uh, previous life or previous um, years and decades. But when this new thing comes in, slowly and slowly, there are several new aspects, domains, dimensions which begin to open and fuse and integrate. So in this context, I thought that, you know, um, we can also read Today's message which Mother has uh, you know, uh, given us for this new year to start this year with this background and it's the message card of today which could be an initiation for us for the next two months or maybe two lives depending on the pace at which we go to make a certain point of entry. Into the infinite. And it's a most delightful entry. The mother writes In the world of forms, a violation of beauty is as great a fault as a violation of truth in the world of ideas. For beauty is the worship nature offers to the supreme master of the universe. Beauty is the divine language in forms and a consciousness of the divine which is not translated externally by an understanding and expression of beauty would be an incomplete consciousness. In fact, when we turn to the Upanishads, we see that truth is repeatedly described as having two main attributes, two main aspects. One is light and the other is delight. It is deathless light, light without a stain or a shadow, prakasham, where all other lights fade away and it is also described as rasa, delight. For beauty is an aspect, an approach which leads us or helps us to touch that side of existence and it's in the completeness and um, in a coming together and fusing together of the two that we have the complete truth that's why the mother reminds us that truth without beauty truth without harmony becomes something harsh bare and it cannot new create so both these aspects are important And in fact, the mother says it's a whole approach to the spiritual life and she is very, very fond of it. Now, when we talk about beauty, one of the first things that the manifestation of beauty does when it begins to express itself in human beings is to create a sense of order. The mother says it's a very limited sense, but this is the first thing. Now, this order can be in our physical life, for instance, simple thing like being regular you know what we normally call as discipline there is a certain beauty in having our rhythm and following it there is a music in everyday life if we learn to listen and then even the gods help us because they respect that look here is someone who has a reasonable control and mastery over nature to follow a certain rhythm it's uh, i think uh, as difficult as playing playing music uh, you know to follow a certain rhythm of everyday life Uh, simply to be punctual, simply to be regular. And Sri says it indicates that there is a certain degree of mastery over nature. So one of the first things that beauty does when it manifests is to create order. Not only order in our physical life, in our outer life, where we learn to keep things as we should, but it also creates a certain order and discipline in our inner life. And this can go on and on, it can go to an extent where we allow only certain thoughts which are in harmony and in sync with our aspiration, certain feelings which are in harmony and in sync with our deeper aspiration to manifest and express. It's not that we ignore the others, we see them because they are there, we don't deny them, but we acknowledge and offer them. We don't allow them to express, we acknowledge and we offer them with a prayer for transformation, with a prayer for change. And every time we let go of some such things which stand in the way, it creates more room. So more beauty can pour in, more light can pour in, more truth can come in. And that's the reason why we have to confront these obstacles every time. Basically, it's a clearance process. So when we speak about a new birth, we have to also make space. If there is no space, nothing new can come in. You know, when we bring something new, we have to create space. Even when somebody new, a new member comes to the house, we have to make space for that that person. And certain things which we have been keeping, which have, uh, you know, outlived their purpose, their time is over, their utility is over, they can be passed on to other hands because now we need space for that. And the second thing that is needed is that the old nature has to adapt to the new. This is another challenge because very often, uh, when something new is born, we simply uh, touch it, touch a fringe of it. We don't allow it to color our, uh, we don't allow it to seep into our entire life. We color it only on the surface. So these are the two big challenges in the way of this new birth that we encounter several times in the process of this yoga. There are beautiful states which are born, but they endure for a moment. Because rest of the nature doesn't allow it. It doesn't admit it. And therefore there has to be also a process of catharsis. A process wherein we uh, throw out these negative elements. Either by rejection or by offering to the Divine Mother for transformation. And the more we do it, the more there is space for more and more of this light and beauty to come in. And next what we have to do is to adapt and mold whatever things within us are ready and capable and are plastic to this new element. So this is the process of evolution of new things pouring in. And I think this year's message is a wonderful start for that, that we can allow beauty to remold our life. So we approach the divine through beauty. Maybe this can be our agenda for this year, at least for the next few months that we allow beauty and harmony to reshape our life and in every thought every feeling even the form and structure of what we speak what we think what we express even the very gestures they should be beautiful and harmonious Uh, i suppose that's how um, indian thought laid so much emphasis on the even the external aspect where, you know, it was not just about vichar, but also achar and vevar, where every gesture, a simple gesture like uh, folding the palms and saying namaste, or, you know, the various mudras that were born. They were spontaneous expressions of a deeper truth. And if we have this aspiration that let everything in us, within and without, be molded by beauty, then perhaps we will touch uh, not only an aspect of the divine but a most fundamental aspect of the divine and we can begin to live life on a new scale, on a new note, on a higher and better note. So I would like to read this full prayer and then maybe we can pause and have some question answers. So let me read the full prayer, the message of today. January 29th, 1917 in the world of forms yes vivek anything is it okay okay in in the world of forms a violation of beauty is as great a fault as a violation of truth in the world of ideas For beauty is the worship nature offers to the supreme master of the universe. Beauty is the divine language in forms. And a consciousness of the divine which is not translated externally by an understanding and expression of beauty would be an incomplete consciousness. But true beauty is as difficult to discover, to understand, and above all to live as any other expression of the Divine. This discovery and expression exacts as much impersonality and renunciation of egoism as that of truth or bliss. Pure beauty is universal. And one must be universal to see and recognize it. In a very beautiful essay, Suraubindo wrote, as an 18-year-old, the harmony of virtue, he compares beauty to the fragrance of a flower as the central element of human personality. And that is the essential beauty which manifests itself through various forms and expressions. But we can discover it everywhere. It is universal. It is there even in the ugliest of elements in the universe. O Lord of Beauty, how many faults I have committed against Thee! How many do I still commit? Give me the perfect understanding of thy law, so that I may not again fail to keep it. Love would be incomplete without thee, thou art one of its most perfect ornaments, thou art one of its most harmonious smiles. Thou art not at all what a vain people think thee to be. Thou art not at all attached exclusively to this or that form of life. It is possible to awaken thee and make thee shine in every form. But for that one must have discovered thy secret. O Lord of Beauty! Give me the perfect understanding of thy law so that I may no longer fail to keep it so that thou mayest become in me the harmonious consummation of the Lord of love. I will give was so wonderful of, you know, the
1: conversation which we had talk from you. And today, uh, it, was so, it mixes so well with the, one of the messages we got today history and here and our uh, method uh, what Mother says yes. the best way of not getting old is to make progress the way of life goal
0: of life yes and there is no end to progress the beauty uh, you know with Mother and Shurabindo is that there is no end to progress uh, let let me narrate to you a small little incidence you know when amal kiran when he was 106 a group of uh, yeah okay a group of you know young buddhist monks came to him and asked him for a message and at 106 amal kiran says forward ever forward never look back but always move forward and forward.
1: Yes. And, yeah. And it is so true. Uh, we also visited Amalda in 2007. And I think that was a time when me and Arjun were there. And they said the same thing. is said, go straight. Do not look left, right, anywhere. Just keep going.
0: Yes. Yes. The but, Upanishad it puts it... Yes. Yes, please.
1: So you know how you said that um, you have to bring the new year with beauty and harmony. Yes. How do you how do you keep that constant? Like if you feel like you uh you went backwards, like you've been pushed back, how do you try to bring that beauty back um, without being disheartened or without Getting
0: frustrated. Yes. Uh, so so I, I can I can tell you how I try, but as I said, you know it'll work out differently for different persons. F- for me, there is one compass, and uh, that compass is closeness to the mother. So what I try is that in in anything, any interaction, or you know anything that I am doing, I try to see. How much I am attuned to her and whether at some point I am beginning to lose myself and stray away. So I try to realign. So basically the the way that I I, I understand harmony and you know Shobindo gave a one-line reply also to Nalnida when Nalnida asked him how to create harmony, he said union in the mother. And you know, same thing is there in Savitri when Shubindo says that you know. Uh, uh everyone is refound uh, and become one in her and through her so essentially that's the process that uh, whether in our relation with people with surroundings with um, problems that we encounter we have to see how that can become an opportunity for us to connect with the mother instead of you know getting frustrated instead of you know becoming a cynic or losing hope Uh, because uh, honestly everything can become a means of worship and um, everything can become a means for making progress if we remain vigilant and if we are aware that there is there are no two goals there is only one goal the problem comes when there are two goals for instance on one side i want the mother on one side i want success or on one side i want the mother on other side i want happiness on one side I want the mother, on the other hand I want somebody to love me or to recognize. On one side I want mother, on the other hand I want, you know, uh, anything for that matter, uh, whether worldly or otherworldly. So essentially, uh, we have to attune everything to the mother and through her attune ourselves to everything else that exists around us and within our life. So we have to leave nothing, but take up everything and offer as one more flower at her feet. So that's how I do it. You know, um, we all lead a life where we have many persons in our life. And every day I simply make an offering of everyone and say, Mother, here is not my family, but your big family. And every member is part of your family. So you are taking care of everyone and just my heart is full of gratitude and it works wonderfully at least it works with me but as i said you know each one has to figure out a way for oneself also in certain movements ideas feelings uh beauty is a very uh, simple indicator you know instead of uh, morals and ethics and uh, social norms beauty is a very simple indicator it is universal whether my acts uh my my words, my feelings are in tune with the law of beauty or not? Are they ugly? Are they self-centered or are they beautiful and offered? By becoming Narendra uh, Modi, become the prime minister
1: of, of India. Do you
0: think that the future <laughs> path of the India will become faster and faster? As I said, I. Trust, I trust the mother and uh, I am very happy that Mr. Modi is towing the right line but to me the future of India is settled and the future of the world is settled because of mother so you know I am sure that um, even if Mr. Modi was not there it would be done you know as Shri Krishna tells Arjuna that Parth if you become an instrument it is your, your joy but even if you are not there I will do my will So uh, all that I can say is that thus far Mr. Modi has been a very good instrument and uh, you know everything that he has been doing so far is in the line. Um, Of course I am not talking of everyone which is part of it, but at least he is, uh, it seems, uh, a very good instrument. But having said that, of one thing I am sure, everything else may fail, even the appearances may be most contradictory and dark. But one thing I am sure is that whatever Mother and Shurabindu have said about India, about the world, about the transformation, that is going to be. Now how, which way, well, I am sure they will figure it out. But what I have to do from my side of that, I want to be sure that, you know, uh, this life which is given to us, at least from my side, I do my little bit, even if it be that little bit of a squirrel rolling in the mud and making a little <laughs> bridge for rama to walk across so that's our role but i have high hopes uh, like many of us from mr modi and i i think i think uh, uh, he will be an instrument uh, uh, another reason why i say so is that you know mr modi's uh, and, and in a certain sense india's changed let me put it like that the change in india not only in politics but many other spheres coincides with the 100 years of mothers coming to india so, mothers coming to India is a symbolic of the Shakti coming to India. And I feel that, uh, you know, the coming of Shakti is bound to create instruments, many instruments, which will work for her and um, eventually, because India's uh, coming up is important, not for India, but for the sake of the world. My
1: question is regarding the current events that are going on. Uh, that movie came out about P.K.'s
0: not at all not at all if you ask me Uh, I have seen the movie uh, and uh, I feel the, you know let me put it very impersonally the problem uh, is that though Raju Hirani and uh, you know Amir Khan have brought uh, brought out a truth uh, the truth that goes beyond religions but I think at places they Um, could not communicate it so well to a certain audience, which may be very, uh, very much stuck to past forms. So even in that, you know, famous uh, story, you know, where Shiva is seen to run and, you know, that's the worst scene, if I have to see it from a very, uh, you know, somebody who's very attached to form, there also actually he doesn't really denigrate Shiva, very paradoxically he shows that uh, somehow, uh, you know, even that caricature of Shiva ends up leading him to the place where he is going to find his way to you know uh, you know um, way back home which is what he was praying and uh, you know through all that he goes through becomes a preparation for really leading him to where he is now there is a very distinct evolutionary aspect which i think that's where Raju Hirani missed out basically uh, instead of either or it would have been wonderful if somehow he could show that you know his engagements with religion pk's engagement with religion uh, and the forms uh, prepared him for going to the next level where he discovered that well uh, there is a truer shiva a truer a a truer truth than just the form that we worship which has helped him and guided him despite all the uh, meanderings but that he couldn't i i think that's where he failed because he couldn't probably um, envisage it or understand it Um, so he caught a truth but couldn't connect it with the previous truth and i think that's why many people have reacted but at another level i also feel and this had been a question that honestly i also had several times that while uh, you know mother has said that the age of religions is over and the old forms are going to go even as the new truth is going to come so now it's very easy for you know certain other old forms of religion to go, and we can see it is going because uh, it's very easy, they are very narrow, small, very often bigot, and uh, you know, any modern generation should be able to see it. But what about Hinduism, which is so vast, so you know, engaging? Now, it's not easy for these forms to go because they are held by a certain truth, and basically, though the forms will go, the truth is bound to emerge because you know it is based on that so i i used to wonder that how is is it going to take place uh, you know in the fold of um the hindu thought and i think that's what is happening that through all this process uh, there will be a catharsis and certain energies will be released and uh, eventually after all this the true hinduism the true hindu thought Uh, you know which which has always adapted to the changing world scenario is bound to uh, bounce back this this is what i feel and i and i see this as the first discordant notes of a much greater harmony which is to come and pk has just been one of those catalysts but as i said that you know this movie suffers from this defect that uh, like many other uh, similar films it shows as an either or but actually, it's a two step process, and I wish he had shown it somehow. Uh, then there would have been no problem. People would have understood. Now, I could see it. That's because of the light of Mother and Shobindo. But I'm sure many people would miss that point.
1: Uh, since we are on the movie. I just saw movie Yeah. And one thing which got in that movie that, actually, uh, it is the love which only can change the power of love. And when in the movie at one place where she is trying to find Dr. Man because he lost his space for some time. And even though they have not got the complete hold of the, the way Sri has put it, but they are very close to, to the definition of love what Sri has brought
0: up. Absolutely. So, you know, I heard about this movie and, uh, you know, I couldn't watch it. Somehow I was away when this movie came and went away. But, but it's so true that all over the world, the mind of the race and its imagination is beginning to turn in that direction. And frankly, you know, it uh, fills me with hope and wonder. So it will come through many doors. You know, Shirobindo and the mother did not open only one door. They opened many, many doors. You know, the mother, while hearing the music, rock music, could say that, you know, here are some notes which are basically in tune with the um, a new creation with, with the new uh, consciousness so you know there are many doors which they have opened and uh, through every which way the new consciousness is going to pour in and seep into the old and whatever can change and adapt will change and whatever cannot is bound to be destroyed as something which you know is a thing of the past
1: and that movie actually suggests uh, to me It was a shock in a way. The way the movie expands, the way they go into the space, it suddenly shocks us that how much work Mother Srivindu is trying to do or has done it. And we are so lucky that we have this some glimpse of it.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, this idea of other dimensions is coming in. You know, one more thing, just going back to the previous movie, since we are with the movies about PK, you know, I somehow have a feeling uh, uh, that, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, Raju Hirani belongs to that genre who, uh, you know, are very, who somehow want to believe that, you know, there are spiritual truths, but try to link it to connect it with Uh, with a kind of science and when I was watching this whole thing about the alien coming in with certain powers, it somehow reminded me of Eric von Däniken's famous book Chariot of the Gods and perhaps uh, he has not written it anywhere but I have an uncanny feeling that perhaps the movie is inspired by that kind of an understanding of, you know, spiritual uh, existence, that there are other planets, other domains where people with greater powers exist and they have come to earth and gone back and we have, uh, you know, turned them into gods. But the problem would still remain that, you know, where did these powers and this kind of consciousness come in those with other planets? So essentially we have to fall back upon, uh, consciousness and evolution Of consciousness wherever it Manifests now that is a key which uh, People don't have and I Think once we have that key I Think it will come first in science Because you know that's where People are uh, at a certain Level very sincere And uh, once they get Touch consciousness the rest will follow uh, To this
1: consciousness I had asked one We at the Park, Brooklyn and NASA was holding a science program for the kids to see the uh, different uh, Saturn and other stuff. And there was one scientist, I not remember his name, some Russian scientist, and he was so wonderfully explaining how the spaces are expanding and all other things. At the end of it, I asked him that question, what do you think about the consciousness? And he said very clearly that unfortunately we have not Yeah,
0: true. But that's the last wall they'll have to cross. You know, the very sincerity of seeking for truth will uh, take them across the wall. So it's just a question of time. So in in everything, you know, uh, we have to be basically sincere in our seeking. Whether it be truth, beauty, love, and then we find, we find uh, its higher and higher state. But if we get attached to one particular form, uh, whether of truth whether of love whether of beauty or for that matter uh, even god then we stop progressing and i think that's where the problem comes that we get attached to a certain form uh, certain idea, certain ideologies certain way of looking at life and we stop progressing so we go to the same thing with which we started that we have to make room for the new consciousness and the higher consciousness to come in and there has to be a certain degree of catharsis or rejection or transformation uh, so that there is place for it to come in. And and it's happening. The world events are compelling us to do that.
1: Alright, so, Alamir. Oh, yeah. So, wonderful to talk to you and uh, listen to Mother Srivindal's viewpoint, thoughts, and how to bring that into our life by the new year, new me session. And I hope that all of us will uh, try to retain as much as possible what we heard and try to even bring one more thing uh, into this new year into our life. And that will be wonderful.
0: But uh, more, more importantly, yes, let's let's uh, go back with this thought that you know every day we can recreate ourselves and this world, and and let us recreate it uh, in terms of a greater light, a greater truth, and a greater beauty. Okay, Vivek, it was wonderful actually uh, to, you know, for a moment feel that one is there in that room, your meditation room with everyone around. So it was such a joy. Yes.